This is a Rooster Teeth production. For centuries, there have been stories of a disturbing flying creature roaming in an area of the United States. Today, we're going to try to separate fact from fiction as we analyze what we know about the popular cryptid known as the Jersey Devil. This is Red Web. Welcome back. It's a Mystery Monday. I, I paused for a very long time there, Fredo, on our end because I, I kept wanting to do the wave, right? I'm wiggling one arm to the other arm, and you can't see it because this is an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just picture me wiggling. Just picture me wiggling. Okay, you're wiggling. <laughs> here, here it is. It looks really good. It looks really good. Just picture that. I'm Trevor Collins. That's Alfredo Diaz. Every every week, I take my boy Fredo through another mystery for the first time, uh, his first time usually, and we get in there, we talk about what's going on in the background, and he's reacting with you guys, asking questions, diving in deep. And this week, we've got another cryptid backed by popular demand, this time the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil. So have you heard of this or not? I mean, I've heard of it. I have okay. no clue what it's supposed to be about or anything like that i just know it's a thing it is a thing and that's it that's it that's all i know here's what we're gonna do we're gonna have fun with this one we're gonna do a a police sketch sort of situation so all those amazing artists out there yeah yeah yeah. let's get your pens ready fredo i want you to describe the jersey devil as you know it now Ooh. okay you know we got we gotta say devil here right so I'm, i'm gonna say that there's it's got some horns, but I, I would probably say it's it's I'm thinking more stylish modern horns, so maybe like a little like shorter horns. Oh. You know, with a little bit of thickness to it. Okay. <laughs> maybe it's just Okay, I'm just going with what I'm thinking here. Uh, Go for it. Some kind of like between the horns, a little bit of stylish hair. Just a little bit. It's from Jersey. Okay. So you got a little bit of stylish hair stylish there. Stylish horns, stylish hair. Are we coming up with like a, like a, is it, okay, I'll let you go. I'll let you finish. And and then <laughs> I'm I'm thinking maybe Minotaur-esque towards the bottom. Okay. And I'm going to say like, <laughs> like three foot tall. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing some big buffed up dude. With like minotaur legs, <laughs> no, you know, hitting up Jersey tall. Beach, doing some bench presses, doing some reps, suave as hell, you know, with that hair. That's why no one knows, you know, no one really has seen <laughs> the Jersey Devil. It gets around real easy, like. <laughs> <laughs> and then three foot tall. Camera whips out three foot tall. <laughs> Look, uh, I didn't know that I was going to be asked to describe said Jersey Devil. I'm probably going to say it's like a maroon color as, uh, as well. That makes sense. That makes sense. And we got to cap it off. This thing is just handsome as hell. Just from what I'm picking up from what you're saying, you know, it's got that stylish hair. Even its horns, which are purely biological, are also stylish. And I'm loving that. I'll give it a classic like, you know, devil tail with the pointy tip. Okay. Maybe he (laughs) keeps it like Goku wrapped around his waist. Stylish, right? Oh, crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Where's it like a belt? Like a belt. All right, well, let's dive in. We're going to talk about kind of the legend or the origin story of where the Jersey Devil kind of stems from in pop culture or kind of the best story that we can put together of this creature. Then we're going to dive into some sightings, as always, followed up by theories. So the Jersey Devil is a cryptid local to the Pine Barrens of southern New Jersey. 
This area is also known as the Pine Lands, and it's a portion of protected land known for nutrient-poor soil, but it has a very diverse ecosystem. It's comprised of about 1.1 million acres, which covers about 22% of New Jersey. So this is, this is a wide swath of territory. Now, I want you to picture Blair Witch or the movie The Ritual. Oh, good movie. Or Slender Man. Not as good. Or anything like that. That's exactly what those woods look like. They're dense. They're ominous, like the thing you see at the beginning of a movie when you're flying over it and the credits yeah. are rolling and you're like, someone's dying in here tonight. Yeah, hell no. You don't want to be lost here. It's, it's quite big for such a small state. But this area, as you can imagine, with that amazing description that I gave, is also <laughs> the area of <laughs> many supernatural stories as well. So there's a lot of other creatures and supernatural stories emanating from this area. And we'll, we'll touch on those lightly later on. But in most of the stories about the devil, Okay, I'm going to re-describe it for you here. Okay. It has a horse-like head. It has the wings of a bat. It has goat-like legs. It has horns, and it has bright red eyes. And those are the major descriptors we see, or hear, I should say, from most of the stories. Now, the size varies from that of a large dog all the way up to a full-size human being. Oh. So it's got some a wide range of sizes. Maybe it's a family thing, a child devil, grandpa yeah. devil, you know. Question. Yeah. If there's these creepy, like, wood forest areas, there's supposed to be all these different types of, like, uh, creatures and animals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, the area is big, but is there any, like, tales of them beefing? Oh, so Krypton on Cryptid, like, action? Maybe yeah. you walk in and you see, like, Mothman boxing with the Jersey Devil and you're just exactly. like... Exactly. <laughs> like, you walk into, like, a diner in Jersey. Oh! Out in the, you know, and they're just like, oh, yeah, that, you know, the... Dirty devil, yes, he'd be fighting with this other thing. The, yeah. The wing bat of the West, no East. Slender Man didn't tip. I would assume they. someone thinks they're beefing. I would think, I would think so. I feel like we've got a monster cinematic universe on our hands, and I'm liking what you're saying. <laughs> Cryptids universe. Let's put this down. Uh, we're going to approach Papa Warner. Christian, write this down. Monster cinematic universe. Here we go. I don't think he wrote it down. I didn't, I didn't hear any pens <laughs> scribbling. <laughs> In fact, I think he might have thrown, he wrote it down just to burn it, the idea. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I like that idea. Not as, not the movie thing, but actually the idea of cryptids being in the same forest, beefing with each other. That That's interesting. Yeah, like why wouldn't they fight? Who's yeah. to say that they always got to be friends? Yeah, this um, is my tree. This is my neck of the woods. Yeah, I mean, right? look, they're going to cross over. They're going to they're gonna hang out and they're mm -hmm. not always going to like each other. You never exactly. know. Exactly. You know, they have, there's a discrepancy over, you know, someone left their trash bin out too long, right? Mm -hmm. Typical. Typical. <laughs> but diving into this legend, now this is something I didn't really know much about. The past, the deep past of this mystery. The legend revolves around a woman who was living in the Pine Barrens at the time, who was nicknamed Mother Leeds. Now the cryptid was originally known as the Leeds Devil and also Devil of Leeds, which is her last name. That sounds way cooler. It's very cool. It is also unknown when exactly these things started to occur, when these stories started to uh, surface, but the Leeds Devil became a local legend somewhere around the 17 or 1800s, so it's been around for quite some time. Now, the story goes, Mother Leeds had already had 12 children when she became pregnant with her 13th child. Unlucky number 13, right? Now, some versions of the story say that Mother Leeds cursed the child because she was frustrated that she was adding yet another child to an already crowded family, saying, quote, let it be the devil. 
She went into labor during a storm, and soon after the child was born, it actually transformed into a devil. The devil attacked Mother Leeds and the family before flying out through the chimney and out into the Pine Barrens to destroy crops, kill animals, and ultimately haunt the Barrens. What? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the legend. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll dive into some other kind of origin stories and the theories as well but this is the kind of the popular one that sweeps up into the to the sightings because sightings go way back this is a a, a longer running cryptid narrative than i previously knew how long back do we know 17 or 1800s right oh damn but jumping ahead a little bit the early 1800s is when we have our first official sighting and i'll outline that a little bit but there's an interesting fact around it that you're going to find a little bit out of the blue so i'm excited to get there but there are also, you know, other versions of this story, as you can imagine. As with old wives' tales, right, they tend to evolve by word of mouth, sometimes starting with some sort of lesson or metaphor. And then they end up becoming cycled through generations and changing. But other versions of the story include Mother Leeds having a child that had a congenital anomaly, and that for some reason, you know, she wanted to keep that secret and hide it from the neighbors, and therefore hid the baby in a firewood shed, and that that is what spurred this child to grow into more of this devil creature. There are tweaks even of that story, which include a woman in the American Revolution time frame who actually fell for a British soldier and then gave birth because of that to a horned child. What? Now this feels like, you know, early, early, like colonial America propaganda. Yeah, right. definitely. The British are the, the evil ones. Yeah. You have a baby with them, it's gonna be the devil. So therein lies the obvious metaphor to me, but like Mother Leeds, the girl kept her child locked away in the Pine Barrens and However you want to believe it, either way, these are the various iterations of the origin story for this creature. Oh, I never knew that this story went back so far. Yeah, it's very early into the American history for sure. This might be, a, I don't know if this, this is a question that will be answered or whatnot, but is there a reason, do we know why it changed over to be the Jersey Devil instead of the lead devil? There's not exactly an answer. There is a time frame where that happens, and I'll outline that in the in a moment, but Got it. there's not necessarily a reason. I think as colonies and uh, America continued to develop and locations started to get proper names, such as New Jersey, right. things started to be named around the locations rather than historical figures, right? So instead of Mother Leeds, right. they said, well, this is a new state or a new colony or whatever. Let's just call it Jersey because that's where this is happening primarily. That's my inclination. That would make sense. Yeah. But going back to the origin, however you want to cut it, like I said, this is eventually where the story begins with the Jersey Devil. Something happens with an unfortunate child and that child is cursed in some way and is released into the Barrens where it begins to terrorize the area. Now, it is believed that the Jersey Devil is most active at Leeds Point because that was where it was born, but it also is near an anomaly known as the Blue Hole, which is a whole other mystery in and of itself. It's a geographical mystery. What? But the Blue Hole is basically a strange body of water in the Winslow Township, which is, once again, a part of these Pine Barrens. It's a pond that's only about 130 feet in diameter, but when you look at it, it looks perfectly still, almost mirror-like when you look at the surface, but underneath apparently it has very strong currents and supposedly it doesn't have a bottom, that it is a very deep hole that this might be some sort of sinkhole in my opinion, but- Wait, what? 
What? Let's get cameras in there. Let's dive some cameras in. Uh, well, get James Cameron down there. <laughs> James Cameron and his cameras. Yeah, no, that's a, that, maybe that's happened. I don't know. He likes deep sea diving. Send him in. He's been to the Marianas Trench. I don't know. You tell me about this mysterious. This like this. That, oh, it's, start, it's starting to be this thing that's irk, that irks me. It's like, oh, there's this mysterious hole mm-hmm. or this this mysterious whatnot. It's like, let's just go explore it. Let's just send like our tech down there. See how deep this hole goes or something like that. Like, oh, that's so. So interesting. I'd be all for that. If it weren't for the Discovery series, all about the money pit, whole other mystery, (laughs) which is just this hole with various wooden platforms going all the way down. And they made like seven seasons of this show. I'm like, (laughs) dig out the hole or don't dig it out. Okay. I know the water floods it. Just dig it, flood it, swim down. I don't know, man. I'm not, yeah, I'm not looking to spend seven seasons worth of time (laughs) exploring this this particular hole, but uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. It is very interesting. I love these kind of geographical phenomenons, but the reason I mention this is because it is a bit of a local legend, but it's also been reported that portions of the water are ice cold even in the summer, and visitors claim that there are whirlpools and that these whirlpools are potentially created by the Jersey Devil, that the Jersey Devil maybe is residing down there and pulling people down to the bottom where question mark happens. Maybe it eats you, maybe it lives with you, and maybe you have a cup of tea. I don't I don't know. But therein lies the mystery of the blue look, hole. But look, I'm gonna I'm gonna solve that mystery right there. They're okay. two separate things. The, just as the visitors are sitting there going, "Whoa, look at that!" The dirty devil is just chilling up in a tree, going, "Man, that place is crazy." <laughs> <laughs> I don't go. I go. I don't even go to the blue hole. I don't know why these humans are splashing around. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what the blue hole's about. <laughs> <laughs> the Jersey Devil. Like, I'm trying to figure that out. You let me know if you know. <laughs> yeah. Do these people know? No, they don't know. But here's the thing. You know, you're asking, maybe these cryptids are fighting each other. Maybe this blue hole is just a different version of a cryptid, and they're collaborating of some sort. They're disappearing children left and right. Oh, they should charge tickets. Tickets. They're getting. They're not making any. They, they're not making tickets any to money. go disappearing. <laughs> I paid ten bucks to go missing. <laughs> Do, you, people Zero at this stars. point, people want to confer, like confess to <laughs> like murders that didn't do anything like that. People That's true. Buy, they'll sell some tickets. You have been on this show too long. I, <laughs> I can, really I have tell. been. My, my views have, have, <laughs> have skewed and curved have, a certain way just because ooh, of this damn show. <laughs> twisted. But, you know, as messy as it kind of feels, right? This is early American history. It made me start thinking, and Christian, I'm going to ask you on the fly. I don't know if we have this information. I did try to Google it briefly in the research, but... It, it makes me think the origin of the Jersey Devil seems to be more or less aligned with the origin of colonial history, right? Or the early Americas or the early version of the United States, I should say. Does this predate our arrival as Caucasian folk to this land? Do native tribes have any story of anything similar to this that might predate our arrival? Not Ooh. as far as I know. Most stories that we found in the research only relate, only date back to those colonial times with colonial settlers in the area. But I can check real quick. Yeah, if you don't mind, I, you know. That's a very good question. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, just kind of knowing where we're going with this and knowing some of the theories. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't any predating stories because, again, it was already hard to get some of these stories 
but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fold that away and tuck it in my mind because maybe that'll come back around. I might have an epiphany on kind of the origin of this whole creature here, but that's the origin as best as we've got it. And now let's talk about some of the major sightings of this creature, historical and current. So here comes the earliest sighting that we have of the Jersey Devil, the one that's in 1820, the one that has that really interesting factoid about it. And it comes from the brother of none other than Napoleon Bonaparte. His brother Joseph has the first or one of the earliest documented sightings of this creature. Okay. You know Napoleon? Yep. About three feet tall, looks exactly like you described <laughs> earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Joseph was on his estate. He followed a set of strange tracks that he compared to a two-footed donkey. Basically saying that I don't see four tracks here, I see two. So whatever this creature is, it has two hooved feet. That's what he's getting at. He follows these tracks and actually reaches a creature. And when he reaches the creature, it apparently looked at him, took flight, and started hissing at him all the while. Locals, when Bonaparte came to town to talk about this, told him that he had actually met the Leeds Devil. So this goes to tell me that this is an established piece of lore that regardless of knowing some of the stories predating the 1820s, that this is a, a known entity, whatever the script it is, that people have been talking about this for quite some time for the whole town to kind of be aware of this. Yeah. Oh, man, I, don't, I just don't know what I would do coming across something like that. I, I My jaw would drop. I, I mean, like, I don't just follow random tracks, though, but this is a totally different time. And if he's on his estate, if he thinks one of his horses or donkeys got loose and he's like, oh, okay. Uh, and you just follow it. You know, you're doing your job, essentially. I mean, look, I'm the king of like, nope. Hell no. You know what I mean? But if it's on my estate, I gotta know. Right. Well, I mean, this this doesn't seem, I mean, two-footed donkey. I, I'm trying to put myself in Joseph's shoes here. And if I saw some strange tracks that I couldn't identify, maybe I let it slide. If it looks like one of the animals I might have had on my estate, I'm gonna be like, ooh, let the donkeys out. And then I'm gonna go follow it. And then when I see a creature at the end of the trail, <laughs> go, holy <What>? crap. <laughs> <laughs> but... Man, this is uh, wild, wild. I, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be too crazy, right? Like we have any, there's still so much of the ocean that we have yet to explore. We're still discovering so many new and different varieties of species when it comes to like animals and creatures in the Amazon. 100%. Do you think, oh, there's got to be some like, on, like deep, deep, deep underwater stuff that we just don't know about. Maybe. I mean, it's, we got that blue hole. But That's also, true. and I and I kind of skipped this factoid because it wasn't super relevant at the time, but when describing the Pine Barrens, it's worth knowing that this is pretty much the largest remaining sample of the historic Atlantic Coastal Pine Barrens ecosystem. You know, basically before we got here, tore everything down and made houses and roads and whatnot, this was an ecosystem, a much larger one at that. And that's why it's protected in New Jersey right now. But all that is to say, very much like the Loch Ness Monster or whatever, there are dynamic ecosystems that have over time shrunk. And it leads you to think that perhaps there were unknown creatures in that ecosystem that then got locked in. And maybe that's what's happened here, you know? Yeah. Damn, there was the whole ecosystem of that's pretty wild. Yeah, I imagine this this forest probably stretched all along the eastern coast. People were just like, eh, it's weird. Let's tear it up. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is whew, get these trees out of the way. Humans. Uh yeah, that natural structure, that natural shelter. Get that out of here. Yeah. It's a beautiful looking forest, though. But in the context of something like this, very deeply unsettling. It's, it's exactly like those movies, right? Where it always starts, you gotta get out of your car. It broke down. 
gotta walk through the woods to get to mm. from point A to point B. And your best friend, your best friend Dirk's over there saying, Hey, yep. this is a faster route. Trust me, I got the map. God damn it, Dirk. And, and that's where it always ends up. <laughs> always Dirk. Always Dirk, dude. But let's flash forward about 89 years. 1909 is when there is a huge spurt of sightings. Hundreds of sightings were recorded in local newspapers around this time what? from all over New Jersey, from other states even. But yeah, at the beginning, this is, uh, I believe, January 16th to 23rd. So a seven day window in 1909, hundreds of sightings. So is Jersey Devil going on vacation? Maybe he's just popping around, maybe taking local selfies. I don't know. Yeah, it's just a lot of sightings. So many, in fact, that this was known as the phenomenal week. Now, I don't know if that means, whoa, what a phenomenal week, or if it's like, <laughs> what was that phenomenon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Probably the latter, but yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Very confusing when I first saw this. I, I even asked, I was, Chris, what is this? But we're going to touch on this week a little bit more in the, in the theories, because there's a popular theory that kind of revolves around this week. But ultimately, about a thousand people claimed to have seen the creature during this time. In Bristol, Pennsylvania. Now, for those of you listeners who are not local to the United States, Pennsylvania is nestled right up to New Jersey. They share a state border. They're very close. Bristol being just over the border, I think, in Pennsylvania. Now, in this town, multiple people were awakened at night by strange noises, and they described these noises as like a record scratch or a baby crying. And on the same night, two different people came forward with pretty distinct accounts of a creature that they saw and they could not explain. One of these two people said that when they saw the creature, they at first thought it was just a crane, but instead that it had glowing red eyes for some reason. They said, quote, its head resembled that of a ram with curled horns and its long thin neck was thrust forward in flight. It had long thin wings and short legs, the front legs shorter than the hind. The second person didn't have much to say about it, only that it was a winged creature and that it had never been seen before, at least by them, that it was some unknown entity flying around. But the next day, what's interesting is to substantiate these sightings, there were strange tracks seen in the snow all over these areas in Bristol, but also in Burlington, New Jersey, which was only about a mile and a half away, a couple kilometers. And from these tracks, many more sightings followed. Now, witnesses of this creature described it as a dog, some described it as a possum, some as a kangaroo, a lot of wide variety animals, <laughs> but some just described it as some mammal with wings that they couldn't identify. Now, many more tracks were sighted all around the border of Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and some were even seen on the roofs of houses and over fences, which makes me wonder, was this a reindeer? Was Santa late? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, as weird as like oh it's a kangaroo i can see someone saying that just because like if you saw something that was just so random and you just haven't seen anything like it i would i mean i can see myself just going maybe it's an animal that exists that's usually not in these parts that i'm seeing right now so just an exotic creature somehow landed here yeah. Maybe a zoo or whatever, because, you know, it's not or legally someone was keeping a kangaroo and then it got loose. Right. And if you've never seen it before in person, right, these animals did get traveled around for zoos and whatnot. So the possibility is there. But the likelihood that most people have seen these types of exotic animals, or at least to the United States, you know, is uh, low. Yeah, it's pretty low. So you see something like this. The normal human wants to go. Let me rationalize that with the nearest odd creature that I do know of that could be here for some reason. Yep. 
I'm with you on that. Kind of filling in the gaps. Now, when it comes to the tracks, this is relied on a lot at this time. There's hunters in the area, as you can imagine, that are experienced with the animals of the region. So they're saying, hey, hunters, what kind of animal is leaving these tracks all up and down the Jersey, yes. Pennsylvania border? What can we identify? Let's get, this is, this is that Alfredo Diaz patented evidence right here. So what are we, what are we looking at? Yep, exactly. You know what I like. <laughs> <laughs> They've got that physical I, evidence. When you tell me that there's professionals involved and we might get something tangible, I'm all about it. But you know... The more tangible, the more likely, the harder left we steer because That's true. the experienced hunters of this area were not able to identify what creature made these tracks. And when they got dogs to try to sniff these up and say, let's go find it, whatever created these tracks, the dogs apparently refused to follow the scent. What? So something was hardcore enough to turn some bloodhounds away from following these tracks. Interest. Oh, man. Yeah, because like the more people you pull into it, right? And we talked about this earlier. Like if you have like professionals or people who have like the reputation on the line, it seems less likely that they're just like, ooh, I'm going to get in on this, like this big old lie. Right. That being said, do I believe there's a Jersey Devil? No. So then the tracks that are hard to identify from, I'm thinking, man, made just like, you know, how people take like, you know, rope and, and, you know, slabs of wood and create crop circles and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's something like that. Dogs not wanting to follow said tracks. Hold up. Are these like people with the biggest brained IQ that are just like, they're going to be, they're going to grab some trackers and they're going to want to hunt us down with the dogs. And so we'll put this kind of scent here that throws dogs yeah. off and makes them want to not come. That's like, whew, that's big brain stuff. Maybe the Jersey devil sprinkled his little tootsies with some coyote urine. Oh yeah. You know? Or, light bulb moment, micro theory, these tracks were put there by a conglomerate of hunters, so when the dogs smelled the tracks, they immediately turned around and said, you did that. But every, but they're like, oh, my dog's acting strange, I guess it doesn't want to follow. Hmm? Ooh. Maybe it was the hunters creating, oh, we need the big bad hunters because the Jersey Devil's out there. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just trying to create some need for their job, right? <laughs> Maybe Damn, maybe their elaborate. job was on the line. Maybe their job's on the line because farming is industrializing. We got cows out the wazoo. Right. <laughs> We're eating beef for days. Maybe we don't need hunters anymore. Or do we? Who's to say? We got this devil on our hands. But before we go any further, uh, I want to pause for a second because Christian got an update regarding the question I asked him earlier. Ooh. Christian, what's up? I do. So I've been doing some live research and it's actually pretty interesting. So there was an American Indian tribe called the Lenape tribe. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. And they lived in that area, obviously, before settlers came. And it was noticed that as settlers came to the area and started interacting with the tribes, the, the Lenape have a uh, guardian spirit or a, a medicine spirit called Meesing. I might be mispronouncing that. And Meesing is kind of a guardian of the forest, of protecting the balance of nature, and is the subject Ooh. of a lot of religious ceremonies. And so it's theorized that the European settlers would see Lenape ceremonies honoring Meesing. And Meesing has been described as a, and on some accounts has been described as a deer-like creature with wings, but oh, most often is described as a deer being ridden by a man with one half of his face is black and one half of his face is red. Interesting. So it's theorized that as European settlers saw this and they 
perpetuated the story with Mother Leeds and everything we've discussed. They added their their Christianity spin to it and yeah. turned it into yep. the devil. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I didn't know that at all. And I that is fascinating. That adds some credence to me because, because and, and again, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but in the theories, we're going to discuss how, or maybe later on, we're going to discuss a little bit about how this Jersey Devil does act in a way that feels like a guardian of this, this forest, that when people do oh. right by the forest, that they don't really interact with this creature. But when they bring harm to the forest, that that's usually when people have issues with this devil. That is fascinating. Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks, Christian. I really appreciate that. But yeah, diving back in a little bit here, and we'll we'll try to wrap that back around in the, in the theory section. So we're gonna table that for now. But some some more sightings. We have a man named R. L. Campbell who reported that he saw the Devil's Tail touch one of the railways, and it caused an electricity surge, uh, which resulted then in an explosion towards the end of that phenomenal week. And this was around the Beaver Pond in the Barrens. Campbell said that they shot the Jersey Devil and that the Jersey Devil then fell, uh, but then it arose again only to fly away before anyone could catch it. So the entire week, many reported that their livestock were being killed, primarily chickens. You know, we have some sightings in Camden, New Jersey, which is relatively near the edge of Pine Barrens. But in Camden, Mary Sorbinski claimed that the devil attacked her dog and that she hit the creature with her broomstick and then it then dropped her dog and flew away. So we have a lot of people that are seeing this thing, able to interact with it. They're trying to drop this thing. It seems resilient and then it just flies off. Yeah, it's not being uh, incognito whatsoever. No. I mean, there's another story here in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. Once again, on the 21st, there is a trolley full of passengers that all claim to see an unidentified creature flying by, nearby, actually. Uh, Once again, that's near the edge of the Barrens, but, you know, we have a whole trolley's worth of people stopping to say, what is this creature? And apparently the beast continued to circle around this trolley, screeching all the while. So you can imagine that being a terrifying experience, but... What the hell? Yeah, it seems like this was just a hot, hot week for people to be seeing this. So then I guess for the people that are like, oh, the Jersey Devil is real. Like, how would you sum that up? I I guess they'd they'd say things like, oh, you know, they weren't used to humans and so was curious. And and now they know that humans are dangerous and violent that the Jersey Devil kind of just goes into hiding. Yeah. Like, why was it a hot week? That's a good question. You know, maybe maybe there was um, I'm just weaving a tale, but maybe there was a nest of these unknown creatures or perhaps to be more uh, legend-centric, perhaps there is this protector of the forest, and as they develop these cities in the early 1900s and expand their footprint, you know, they're upsetting nature, they're upsetting this entity, or they're upsetting creatures, just animals, that are then becoming active, and then these hunters might go out and pop them all off. It's hard to say, but to me, that is a natural extension there. But what's interesting is that because there were so many sightings and they were seen in the large cities like Camden or like Philadelphia, many school systems and mills in the nearby area all closed down in response to this for safety. Wow, all right, so. Like, I don't want my kid going to school, the thing's gonna fly down, snatch him up or something. It's just insane that like the school system would believe in it and then, you know, therefore shut down the schools because- You don't want to be the school that gets preyed on by the devil. Yeah, but you don't, but uh, maybe just, you know, I'm sure it's just the times like that wouldn't fly nowadays. It's probably, as Christian was indicating, probably religious inclinations. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it was so seriously handled or treated, I should say, that the Philadelphia Zoo was even offering a $10,000 reward 
A lot of money for that time period. A lot of money today, but especially for that time period for the capture of the Jersey Devil. Now, I don't know if they're trying to sell tickets right? or if they're just trying to bring this dangerous creature down. I don't know. But yeah, getting on on it, too. Yeah, it's interesting because as you were saying, you know, after this phenomenal week, sightings really, really died down or at least were much less clustered. But they do continue all the way to this day. It's not that they don't exist. It's just that there has never been a period of time where there was this many sightings in such a tight time frame. But the last thing I want to note on this time frame before we move to the uh, most recent sighting worth discussing is that this is around the time, as you kind of asked before, this is around the time that the cryptid became known as the Jersey Devil rather than the Devil of Leeds. Kind of just feels like it was just because of the times. Just keeping up with the times, you know what I mean? That or... I don't know, some human initiatives of travel and commerce. Hey, come on down to Jersey. We got such sights as Camden. <laughs> We're nearby New York City and we've got a devil. The, the Jersey devil. Come take a look. Right? Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, that's about the time that it was the Jersey devil. And it's also, like I said, 89 years on from the first sighting, which is even still further on from Mother Leeds herself. And so then I'm sure history starts to get lost a little bit on the on the nomenclature. Why is it Leeds when it could be Jersey or because I see it all over Jersey? You know, right. maybe that's why. But a more recent sighting worth discussing happened here in 2009, which was 100 years after the phenomenal week. Actually, a couple was in the Pine Barrens testing out their new gun, as you do. And when they went to leave, the woman noticed that her phone was missing from their car. It was at that point that they claimed they saw a creature on two legs run across the road, only lit up by the car's headlights. At that point, something threw their phone right back at them, completely destroying it. And as they quickly drove off, the couple heard many birds in the area screeching. And they were assuming at that time that there was some sort of warning amongst the birds, that it was a a call of the birds trying to warn others. And this is a very natural phenomenon that you might hear of even primates when they see predators they'll have a certain call all sorts of creatures have their own tells when they see something and so they were saying well maybe whatever did this whatever threw this phone at us and crossed over the beams of our headlights very briefly whatever it was it set the birds off and in the whole woods but yeah most of the sightings are as kind of nondescript and or more brief like this got it but they're all still deeply unsettling with very similar descriptors of the creature yeah we saw a figure we saw a creature Mm mm-hmm Interesting that, like, there's a lot more tales of the creature actually, like, flying overhead and attacking than I thought there would be. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I remember, like, when I was first hearing stories about this, it's a lot of, I heard something in the night, I went outside, this thing was perched up in a tree, when I saw it, when I approached it, whatever, I saw its red eyes, and that's when it flew off. It tends to be a little skittish in that way, except for this phenomenal week where it's diving down on all sorts of things and getting all sorts of aggro from people before it flies off, but... Yeah, that's the only explanation I can think of in terms of, like, why there was a a high traffic week, and it's simply just, maybe just curious, and then realize, oh no, the humans are bad. Hello, everybody. Trevor here to break up the mystery for just a hot second for some housekeeping notes. But this one's special. Please don't skip because one of our sponsors today is actually another podcast that Alfredo Diaz himself, our fabulous co-host here on Red Web, is a part of. So if you like pop culture, you like TV, like movies, you're really going to want to hear what uh, Alfredo's doing right now. So here's Alfredo to talk about Popcorn and Shield. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by the podcast Popcorn and Shield. Is Gremlins a quintessential 80s movie? How does Kong Skull Island fit into the Kong universe? Is it possible to get too in-depth when you're talking about movies? 
Find out all of this and more with the new podcast, Popcorn and Shield, hosted by Rooster Teeth's very own cinephiles, Elise Willems, Blaine Gibson, and me, myself. We've been given access to Warner Brothers' massive movie vault, where we'll dive into the details of new releases like Mortal Kombat, Batman the Animated Series, and all things MonsterVerse. Popcorn and Shield appears on the Warner Brothers Entertainment Channel, and we release new episodes every other Friday talking all things movies. We might even have a few special guests. I'll be honest with you, the Batman episode, we got to interview Kevin Conroy. Definitely one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life. So go check that out. So come rummage around the Warner Brothers vault with Popcorn and Shield as we rediscover old gems and get nerdy about new releases. Subscribe to the Warner Brothers Entertainment channel at the link in the description below. It's always a good day when you can have a friend of yours and their podcast be the sponsor for uh, for your other podcast, isn't it? But with that said, hey... This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you want a show that's entertaining while being informative, I recommend The Jordan Harbinger Show. In every episode, Jordan interviews a different expert guest who pulls back the curtain on worlds that most of us don't have access to. I recommend his episodes where he interviews Anthony Ramondi, a former mob enforcer for the New York Five Families, where Ramondi talked about the Vatican's ties to the mob. You can also learn how to combat disinformation from his interview with Rene DiResta, who studies what turns ordinary people into conspiracy theorists. So if those sound interesting to you, I can't recommend them enough. The podcast is a fascinating one, and there are a lot of different topics in addition to these ones that uh, I would recommend you check out. But Apple Podcasts named The Jordan Harpenter Show one of the best podcasts of 2018. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting, and there's never a dull show. So search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy. I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that said, let's get right back into the mystery. Well, I mean, that does lead us very nicely into the first of a handful of theories that we have. One of the leading theories that many people believe is that the Jersey Devil isn't real, that it is simply the result of legends and mass panic. And that this week in particular perhaps was just a hot week. And we'll describe perhaps what led to that week in particular being so hot. Before we get to that, let's back up just a step and talk about Brian Regal, who is a history professor at Keene University, who also kind of lies within this theory. And he theorizes that the Jersey Devil originates from a real person, that there is a story to be had here, but it then kind of extrapolated and became more of a, an ethereal creature that doesn't actually exist. So, uh, okay. Yeah, I always forget about that whole theory of just like, you know, and I, I like this because this was in the movie um, Unbreakable, where just like, what if like all these comics with all these heroes uh, are just an exaggerated version of what, you know, what used to be, you know, just people had these small, simple abilities and then they got like chewed up in, in Hollywood and spat out, you know, yeah, turned into these bigger than life uh, powers and people. And that's actually not something so grandiose. It's just yeah. a thing. Something simple. Well, in his theory, he says that there was a woman who lived in the area of Leeds Point, uh, over 50 miles away from the 1909 sightings. Her name was Deborah Leeds, and she had 12 children, and she could be the source of the story. Now, Daniel Leeds, who was the father-in-law of Deborah, could also be the origin of the story. Now, apparently, the Leeds family had become the topic of hot goss in the area, that's gossip, 
father, uh, uh, dad's listening, in the Pine Barrens because, <laughs> because of Daniel. So because of Daniel and his activities, they were the topic of a lot of gossip in the local area. He had nine kids and three of his four wives had actually died, but only one wife had a known cause of death, which was childbirth. And so there is a lot of uh, what's going on here, sort of rumors flying around about this Daniel creature. Now, to further that animosity from the local towns to Daniel, he was publishing an almanac that included astrological information, which at the time was considered blasphemous by the largely Quaker community of the Barons. Now, for those who don't know, Quakers are a religious subsect. They tend to be pacifists and they believe in simplicity, humility, and equality, and they live simple lives and worship in modest ways. Now, Daniel, in his actions, are probably upsetting the local Quakers because of, you know, his, uh, it's like unorthodox. Yeah, his unorthodox views and, and the fact that he's talking about astrological information and stuff in his almanac is definitely a bit anti what these folks believe. Now, Daniel continued to publish even more information on astrology and similar topics in addition to critiquing the Quakers for being anti-monarchists. So now we've got this guy who's like, you're anti the king. I'm anti the God. I'm talking about astrology oh, and the yeah. and king and, and, and you, we're just on different playing fields here. Yeah, he's being so public about it. Yeah. That's yep. like people to like, oh man, especially if you're up against like a whole kind of like community, like how do you win that battle? You know, yep. it's just, you, there's going to be so many lies spread around about you. Absolutely. And it's because of his more blasphemous ways of thinking, especially the fact that he's attacking them, like specifically, he's basically antagonizing them to create this story, perhaps, is what the, uh, the theory purports. Now, when Daniel died, his son, Titan Leeds, took over for the almanac, and when he competed it, it was actually competing with Benjamin Franklin's almanac, also known as the Poor Richard's Almanac. What's funny here is that Franklin jokingly published an article predicting Titan's death, also using astrology to kind of give him a taste of his own family medicine, right? And when Titan became upset over that article, Franklin continued to refer to Titan as a devilish ghost up until and after Titan's death in 1738. So Titan's death is not actually very far off from when this story actually originates. Interesting. And exactly. And his language about a devilish ghost, the idea that this family has a feud with the local Quakers. Right. These rumors all kind of coupled together to perhaps create this ghost story that eventually maybe evolved into the Jersey Devil. So it's very interesting to think about this because I love history. I think it's fascinating, but yeah. to put these things together, this clicks for me. That really clicks. That to me is is solid and, and makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Especially if you're talking about, you know, those times and the heavy beliefs and yep. the backlash that, you know, people got for, you know, just kind of really believing in science and all that stuff. Yeah, that kind of adds up. And, and it's on the same time period? Yeah, loosely. I mean, like loosely. I said, it's 17, 1800s is about as far back as we can kind of pinpoint this story. So it's not like it's down to the date, but it is down to the time frame. So it's, it is a theory. It's a, it's a strong theory, but there are holes to be poked, such as that more loose time frame without it being like, well, then the next year, the devil, the Jersey devil sprung up. It's hard to say, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it took the rest of the 1700s to evolve until 1820 when Joseph Bonaparte had that first sighting and the whole town's like, yeah, we know. But one more interesting piece here, 
coming back to the almanac and coming back to Titan, he decided in the making of that almanac to use the Leeds family crest. Now, for those D&D fans out there, I might upset you for a second, but in that crest, there is a wyvern. And for simplicity's sake, it's a dragon. It's, it's essentially a dragon. It's different, but it's a dragon. And that could go towards developing the imagery of the Jersey Devil, right? Because it has a winged creature with claws, right. a long, sharp tail, gnarled teeth, right? Very similar to a dragon, for those of you who might not know what a wyvern is. And, and uh, you know, it, it just kind of builds the whole story itself. Yeah, yeah. It really kind of just spins into its own thing from there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Less like demon, more dragon. At least at this time, yeah, and, and yeah, maybe yeah. that this is the starting point. Right. The starting point being these devilish ghost comparisons and this animosity and this imagery of a dragon, which that are like down with the Leeds family, and you might be holding the crest up or something, and then it starts turning into uh, this heathen, this godless heathen, and then the, the imagery starts to transform a little bit, you know. I mean, I, I will say not, uh, you know, a lot of these pieces of info doesn't have much weight to it, but it's damn creative. Yeah, it's hard to say, man, unless there's documentation from these early time periods, like these businesses shutting down in response to this, stories being written down, like it's hard to say. Like you're saying, it's a very creative story, mm -hmm. but hard to know, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so far back and the lack of technology and, and, and good luck, you know, finding uh, manuscripts and the archive stuff for it and whatnot. That being said, it's a very, very interesting story. What I like about it too, for being a story, is it doesn't really have, and correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem to have too many ulterior motives right outside of avoiding a certain area outside of having like an anti-leeds family movement and unless it was like a some sort of groundswell like pro quaker thing to be like be fearful of that be a quaker kind of thing unless it was like that I, I struggle to think what gain would somebody have by having this theory right or this story yeah what could you really gain yeah i, I completely agree yeah, but to build on this more, Brian Regal comes back and he has kind of more of a theory to build out here. He believes that the owners of a dime museum over in Pennsylvania might have heard some mention of the Leeds Devil. And perhaps in order to attract patrons and get some foot traffic going in the early 20th century, might have used this concept to attract people, right? Remember, this was now labeled the Jersey Devil around this time period, which is to say a specific location. I don't know where Leeds is as a, as a normal human kicking around, but I know where Jersey is. Yep. So maybe using this was a, an early version of viral marketing and it just <laughs> yeah, spun just out of control. Scheme. Yeah, and, and it just led to mass panic when a couple of people saw what they believed to be the Jersey Devil in 1909. And these things just kind of came together to be like, oh my God, this exists. And the museum and just trying to get, you know, traction in publicizing this information maybe led to this phenomenal week, right? Of all these sightings. Right. Yeah, everyone drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen something very similar or or in the theory section when we talked about Mothman. Yeah, we also know how eager people are to like get involved in, right. in, in these crazy tales and stories. So yeah, no, yeah, that adds up. The major hole here in this particular theory is that there are still recorded sightings of the Jersey Devil before this all happened. So this kind of goes to explain why maybe it is a mass panic sort of thing. But the fact that it exists before that, maybe there's still some room for it to be real. It's hard to say. Do we, I mean, if you're, you know, you talked about earlier that there's still sightings um, to this mm -hmm. day. Has technology 
like help oh, their videos? Like, us in like aiding some high quality uh, evidence? Well, never. <laughs> yeah, what do you see a 4K is. UFO? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, we caught 4K, baby. Done and done. I mean, you know, maybe maybe there's like, oh, there, you know, there are these blurry sightings that are on like iPhones or something like that as yeah. opposed to like, I don't know old timely black and white cameras or something right right yeah i wish uh and maybe there are but it sent it tends to be synonymous with this field of study the unknown that you're not going to get that crystal clear and that's typically because then it becomes a little less unknown right but i don't know Kristen, unless i'm missing something i would love to know if there's any recent photographic or vi video evidence of like seeing this yeah, there have been instances of photo and video evidence throughout the years. I actually just shared a semi-recent photo with you all, Ooh. but nothing nope. concrete. What the? All right, let me. Someone threw this goat in the air. <laughs> someone threw, yeah, someone launched a goat in the air. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, I, I keep talking about like, you know, do we have any more modern day photos? This doesn't help. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted like more clear photos or, or videos looking at this it doesn't look real it doesn't help at all <laughs> yeah there's photos out there and and like the problem is they're all silhouetted very similar to, to this one so it could just yeah. be something that someone makes and tosses up into the air and gets a grainy photo it's it's hard to say i mean i'm a sucker for these kind of things though i love a little bit of evidence even if you can read between the lines and, and argue right. about what you're actually seeing it's just like i don't know i i regardless for entertainment purposes or for reality i love these kind and of going things. back and forth with your mind on it like right ah, can't really tell these lines are blurry but then again like look at that thing and just double check so that photo is from 2015. 2015 whoa this is a kodak in? moment you gotta stop using those disposables my friend gee 2015 you rocking phone mm. like <laughs> how's that not hd you gotta get an hd camera if you're gonna be living in those woods yeah of course of course it's a camera that's like low quality in right. Even in 2015, it's like, ah, it can't be too good. Well, I don't know. But another interesting factoid here before we close out on this theory is that there's some versions of the Mother Leeds legend that indicate prejudice towards the residents of the Pine Barrens. They were nicknamed Pineys, and this could have also contributed to the story. Now, like I was kind of indicating earlier, stories tend to have a lesson or a metaphor or some sort of instruction to them. And this story could have been basically a way to say just stay away from those people it could have been a prejudice whether it's classism or racism towards the people that live in this area this story of this devil could have been something to say hey kids just stay away from that area and they targeted that prejudice towards an, a made-up creature right like your mom might say don't go uh -huh. in the woods at night because there's this uh, little evil thing it's more that your mom doesn't want you to get lost in the woods at night but i don't know why mom's got to scare you instead right I, I don't know i guess it's easier to get kids to not want to go Right. I don't know, but that's a more childish version, a more positive version of what's happening perhaps here in that this this prejudice could be at play in the development of this story. And the fact that the Barons are also associated with multiple ghost stories, like I mentioned before, there's the Blue Hole, but there's other popular stories like Captain Kidd, uh, the Black Doctor, the Black Dog, and the Golden Haired Girl. All of these things go to build up the idea that this is a, a spooky place and that stories come from it. And maybe once the initial story about this Jersey Devil popped and got out, people just had mass panic and then it just spread from there. And it really solidified right. this 
once legend, this old myth and lore, into more of a pop culture cryptid phenomenon. I mean, if this area has so many different, like, myths and legends i would assume the people around it are people that are more likely to believe that kind of stuff and so when you what's another one to the list right mm -hmm. we're just like all these like crazy creatures uh, and stories that you hear about these woods and it's just like this one this is like someone just making a new the new hotness right and everyone is already like I don't know, susceptible to that kind of story and, and those tales. And so they're just on board. That being said, we got to rewind back. Hold on. Captain Kid? Captain Kid. Okay. Okay. Captain Kid. What's up? <laughs> like, what? Like, what is, what is, I don't, is it like a, I don't know. Is it an like, is a child that ran around pretending like they had a cape and unfortunately died? No, it's a, a Scottish sailor who tried to, and was executed for piracy. Oh, a lot more serious. That's what Wikipedia says. This doesn't seem like a scary name at all. <laughs> Cap oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like usually ghost stories are just scare people. Yeah, like the Captain Kid. Here's the here's the disconnect. I'm seeing the name K-I-D-D. And so I'm like, oh, that's a common name. I know kid. But you're you're given the imagery of a child, Captain Child running around. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I that took me too long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking all these stories of like, ooh, scary myths and legends <sighs> told by the campfire. Are you afraid of the dark style? Right. And then it's just like afraid of what you got from I was like, all right. Look, Captain Kid, and it's like what? Yeah, the <laughs> like, school how you, how you bully. That scary, right? That's true. Avasti, all aboard, Captain Kid's here. Captain, well, Kid. you might need a new name, like yeah. uh, yeah. like Blackbeard. More menacing, yeah. To Jack Sparrow. I I don't know pirate names. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, let's that's move as far on. as I go in terms of pirate <laughs> names. Don't ask questions. We move forward. Yeah, I forgot we had, just by the way, a little picture of the Almanac page. Any of the imagery, by the way, that we discuss on this show will be posted for your visual pleasure at RedWebPod on Twitter. You can also follow us on Instagram. We're super inactive there. At some point, we'll activate it or whatever. For those of you who prefer Instagram, but we're going to post the, a picture here of the Almanac that does have the family crest. It's got about three wyverns on it, and it's, and it's like a simpler drawing. It's not a very detailed drawing, and so therein kind of might lie the inspiration for the Jersey Devil because in this kind of lo-fi version of a wyvern, it does look, by all accounts, like the Jersey Devil. It's fascinating. But building off the theory that the Jersey Devil is based on stories and mass panic, there are a few animals that people have seen and mistakenly believed were the Jersey Devil. And that could be what spurred some of this mass panic. So this isn't mutually exclusive, but just like the Mothman, it has been theorized that the Jersey Devil sightings are actually sandhill cranes. In fact, because of this, many people have theorized that Mothman and the Jersey Devil could be in fact the same entity. Oh. They both feature a six to seven foot wingspan. They're both somewhere between four to five feet tall. There's various accounts, of course, but specifically the fact that they're flying and both have red patches around the eyes, bright red eyes, and are very close to each other. Again, for those of you who aren't American or don't know the states very well, West Virginia, where Mothman supposedly is centered his activity, and New Jersey, right, for the Jersey Devil, they're not too far apart. They're both along the eastern seaboard, and from center of state to center of the other state, it's only about 400 miles. And so it is very possible in this uh, this terrain, there's a lot of wooded areas, a lot of mountains, that these are shared habitats by one same creature. It's totally possible. That, ooh, oh man. I'm gonna say it's the cranes. 
You're gonna say it's the cranes? Well, they, they have, uh, like I said, that's a, look, the wingspan is humongous. Right. But these are witnesses at night, too, so you gotta add some some room for error. Yeah. They could be smaller. Oh, and then the eyes that are also red. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Similar area. Interesting how the Mothman, like, they're tying it into, like, it's the same thing as, as, as a Mothman. Yeah. I mean, if there's just some sort of unknown flying entity popping around the area. Let's just talk about the Sand Hill Cranes for a second, because I didn't really outline this as much in the Mothman episode, but it is worth noting. I looked up a map, like a heat map of their general uh, habitat in the world. And a lot of them have breeding grounds up in the Northwest kind of Pacific coast area of the United States, but primarily up in Canada is their breeding ground. And then they traverse through the continental United States down to Texas, Florida, Cuba, Mexico. That tends to be where they go for the winter. And mostly they don't fly through this area, the New England area, but that's perhaps why it would be so strange yeah. for a handful of cranes to go flying through that part of the United States. And, and then locals might see that and be like, that's abnormal. And so they wouldn't know to call it a crane, but instead maybe some sort of creature. Uh, because it's not way out of their flight path. I think, generally speaking, the furthest east uh, southern flight path that they have goes through Michigan and Indiana on down. So it's not all uh, all that far away. It's possible that some get astray and... Yeah, that's a crazy drift off. Yeah, and so, like you're saying, it very well could be these cranes. Go, oh my god, what is that giant bird? They're not supposed to be here. Well, yep. because they don't usually go there, but they can be there on rare occasions. Look, I don't... I didn't know anything about like those birds until I think Mothman when we started talking about it. Yeah. So if I were to just move out there and see like this bird with a giant wingspan, that'd freak me out. I wouldn't know what the heck is going on. Right. It's a big bird. I would ask questions before saying it was the devil or like some Mothman. I don't know. I'd maybe Google something. Yeah. <laughs> see if there's like birds or like, you know, common animals in the area. Pragmatic of you. But, you know, in the early 1900s and even before that, you know, if, if the locals are all saying something about, no, there's a devil around here and you see something strange. And you go, oh, my goodness, I saw it, too. Yeah, you might you might hop on board and thus creates that mass panic, you know. But others, interestingly enough, have also compared the Jersey Devil to a hammerhead bat, which I had to look up. But if you look up and again, check out our Twitter page, we're going to have some images there. But the hammerhead bat looks exactly like a lot of the sightings of the Jersey Devil. In fact, I think people use hammerhead bat imagery as the New Jersey Devil. It's uh, It's got a very large head that looks similar to a horse. Uh, these are relatively large bats, but they also have bright red eyes and they look very menacing. They're very creepy looking, but they only eat fruit. But the twist is the hole in this particular theory is that they're only found in Africa, especially around equatorial Africa, right around the equator portion of Africa. It's very hot there and that's the climate that they're familiar with. So to see these throughout time in this area, especially in New Jersey with the climate there, very unlikely. Yeah. Uh, and they wouldn't survive very long if they were there. Also, Googled that bat. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. What a weird looking bat. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. But just remember, it only eats fruit. Yeah. Not going to stop me from freaking out because like it's relatively small. It's not going to stop me from looking at it from. Look, the fact that it eats fruit, I'll look at it from a distance and go. Oh, yeah. Whoa. But For a like, bat, this thing is huge gigantic but compared to the, like the several foot kind of discussion and descriptors that people are giving this ain't that but there is a picture of this brave man holding it by the scruff of the neck and i don't know if it's like the way he's holding it towards the camera or whatnot but it makes it look like the head of this creature is as big as his forearm and it's freaking me out <laughs>
It's really weird. Mm-hmm. That's a large. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I hate to say it. This this thing is probably the nicest little thing, but it certainly does look a bit devilish. <laughs> Hopefully there's no hammerhead bats out there listening. Uh, yeah, like it's ugly. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not a pretty looking bat at all. It's an ugly looking bat. It's like a sip of water. <laughs> you like, listen, See, I'm just going to say it. You're an ugly bat. <laughs> I was say it. it's, uh, it's an ugly bat. Oh, man. So, there, you know, there, there are possibilities that it is an actual creature, something that we already know about. But that continues into the next theory that this is yet to be discovered, some sort of undiscovered creature. The mysticism, you know, surrounding the Pine Barrens has led a lot of people to believe that there really might be something undiscovered there. You know, we have that blue hole that goes down to God knows how deep. It's this kind of preserved forest that is very expansive. Like you can look at it and it looks endless. It really is big. And you think of things like uh, Bigfoot and the, the habitats that they're in. And it makes it possible to think like, all right, something can be hidden somewhere. It's just possible. This world is huge. Yeah. It just, there's nothing that's told me that this creature has any type of intelligence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's like, ooh, what is this? This is a phone and then launches it back at the people. It seems like, you know, it's very much like it's a animal type thing. Or a dude. Yeah. Or, you know, or just a person. Just scooped up your phone, got caught through it and ran. You know, and, and with that, it's like, how have you not been just randomly wandering and caught? Right. Well, to kind of carry on with the idea that maybe it's an undiscovered, and, and I'm trying to lend credence to this. I have to be honest, I don't necessarily believe in this, but I do believe in the fact that there are plenty of undiscovered creatures throughout the world. Oh, yeah. As you mentioned, the Amazon, we're always finding something new. The ocean is mostly undiscovered. And so it isn't hard to believe that, yes, even though this is only uh, 22% of the state, 1.1 million acres, it's not small. But the fact is, like, it's so surrounded by populations, it would be hard for something to survive and stay hidden for this long. But I, I digress. Yeah. The fact is that there's a lot of mysticism around the Pine Barrens. But as previously stated, you know, we've had experienced hunters of the past and of the present kind of trying to track this thing down, looking at the tracks and not able to attribute it to any other animal. Furthermore, that's compounded by the fact that people go camping in this area all the time and they hear animal cries that they simply don't recognize. Now, you and me, we might go to the forest and we might hear a, a mountain cougar, which or a mountain lion that sounds like a person screaming. It sounds like a human screaming. It's very unsettling if you've ever heard of it. But if I was a new camper, I wouldn't just know that. Right. So I might attribute that to an unknown creature, but it could be just local wildlife that I don't recognize. It's hard to say, but, you know, there is some room for thought regarding the idea that there's an, uh, an unknown animal hidden around here. But going back to something you said earlier regarding the phenomenal week of 1909, perhaps this was something that did exist. Perhaps this was something native tribes knew about. Perhaps this was something that colonial Americans and settlers knew about and that in 1909 they were disturbed in some way and there was a mass migration or hunters depleted the population or that they were endangered because there are endangered animals and species living in this forest now. So it's totally possible that at one point in time this was real and that it died out and then became myth from there. And that again is further compounded by the fact that this area is very remote in some spots. A lot of places are very difficult to get to and are certainly protected. So in order to get through some of these portions of, of land, one would have to exit their vehicle or hop off their bike or whatever and traverse it by foot because, well, outside of the fact that that's a horror movie trope, that's the only way to get through some of right. this, some of this forestry. So a lot of tough a, terrain. 
Yeah, so I mean, like, like I say, I played my hand and I say that this is probably unlikely, but there is a lot of valid evidence or a lot of valid reasoning to say something could stay hidden in this area with difficulty, certainly, but it's not impossible. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's just so much land and different like elevations and, and tough terrain to get through that you really can't know. Right. You said, you said it was a big plot of land too. 1700 square miles Oof. or 4,450 square kilometers. So good amount of space, truly. Yeah, lots are in the gallop. But in the grand scheme of things, especially when it's surrounded by so much development, I, it, my, my little brain tries to weigh that out and say, uh, what are the odds, you know? But that doesn't stop a group like the one called Jersey Devil Hunters from researching and investigating the area for credible sightings of the devil. Now, this group does in fact believe that there is something biological here rather than paranormal. And that's why I want to bring them up because they are following oh. patterns in sightings and behavior. They're trying to say, hey, what's going on here? Whether this is an established creature that we know about or this is a new species of some sort, they believe, regardless of all that, that the devil must be nocturnal based on the sightings and also based on the difficulties with which people have had describing it. That it's always seen at night, but we never really get a full glimpse of it. They also say that it eats deer and chickens, but never humans, or not typically, which is why we've never really heard of any sort of, anybody going missing or anybody getting attacked themselves. But then you, oh man, there's always that shadow of a doubt, right? With a big plot of land like that. But like, mm -hmm. I would assume that if you found, found like its kill, there would be like teeth marks and certain bite patterns that don't quite add up to any other animal that you see nearby, right? Exactly. Great point. In fact, there's never been any evidence whatsoever regarding carcasses, droppings, evidence of any sort of like teeth marks or whatnot from the Jersey Devil. We've only heard about tracks, right? So the fact that that's all lacking really kind of yeah. damages this as a theory. I like this theory. I really do. I think it'd be very exciting to discover a new creature, maybe even a bat of some sort in these woods. Um, and it would be deeply unfortunate if it was existing and then kind of went extinct in our recent history. But yeah, you tell me this creature doesn't poop. <laughs> hey, maybe he runs a, a total efficiency, you know, <laughs> wild. It's a it's an immortal being that never poops, never eats. It never sleeps. And this is where they say, well, it flies up above the trees and poops and they <laughs> all get scattered or, or, across the treetops. Right. Maybe it flies down the chimney at night, lays it, lays a little couple of twos in your in your litter boxes and you off you fly and you're like, whoa, what did my cat eat? <laughs> Boom. It was the Jersey Devil this all along. Like so much work to go <laughs> find these litter boxes. And I would I would like to think if if that there's one person's litter box is being terrorized. Oh, man. Just Henry from New Jersey and his <laughs> yeah. wife, Sarah. Oh, it's weird litter box problems. <laughs> The last thing I want to say here, it's a little bit non sequitur, but it is something worth considering because of some of the information brought to light by Christian earlier on. But some people consider the Jersey Devil to be a protector of the Pinelands, which makes sense. It is yeah. protected land by the state. But um, this is what I was saying earlier, and it kind of sisters in nicely with the native legends of this entity. Now, they say that, you know, if you don't harm the environment, the devil's not going to harm you. But some think the opposite, that this creature is a harbinger of war and a harbinger, like basically a sign of violence to come, whether it be for you personally or for other other things. But it's uh, it's interesting, to say the least. It's like a like Ares or something like that. It's just like, yeah. like, a, like a god of war. The type. god of war. <laughs> Maybe Ares sends out his little, you know, hammerhead bat to say, Whoa. 
Oh God! Tell the people I'm coming. Oh God! That damn thing! Come on! <laughs> that thing was gross looking. We're gonna get you to pet one. We'll get you there. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it a boop and then run away. A little boop, little boop on I'll that. The, the, the uh, wait. You're gonna boop its nose. The nose is the weirdest part. It is the weirdest part. I'll boop it. <laughs> it's that's like that's, a, that's a, five that's, different flat folds. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that leads us to the final theory, which I think is very interesting, and it sisters in very nicely with uh, another mystery that we have talked about on this podcast, which is the Montauk Project. So if you want to stop, go listen to that. I encourage you to do so. But it is theorized that the Jersey Devil could be part of a government experiment. Some believe that there is a connection between the Jersey Devil and the Montauk Monster, which comes up in that mystery. Uh, It's a creature we've mentioned before. And I think one of the theories behind that one was that it was a hairless raccoon that had some sort of mutations that washed up on shore. Something like that. That picture looked interesting. Oh, yeah. It's like, what is that? Very creepy. It almost looked like it had a beak. And th- wasn't it like it went missing after like people found it and then went to go report it and then yeah. came back and it was missing? Like, I think what? you're right. Yeah. And th- I mean, this isn't even that far ago. This was July 12th of 2008. That's when an unidentified creature was found washed up on the beach of Montauk, New York. Again, not very far away from New Jersey, especially since this is kind of northeast of Long Island. So quite close for our non-American friends, but it was seen on the coast. People were like, what is this monster? Looked the other way, looked back, despawned. I don't know. I don't know, man. That's how you know we're gamers if you don't. Yeah. Despawned. It despawned. Maybe, and just maybe, there's some sort of, that was a baby sea monster and it was pranking us. Mom, watch this. I'm going to wash up on shore. I'm going to lay there. They're going to look at me. They're going to take a photo and then I'm going to disappear. That's a joke that could have gone wrong. They could have swooped that thing up and then Mm -hmm. poked it with a thousand needles. Yep, give it some acupuncture. But yeah, since 1954, just a a quick download in case you hadn't heard that episode, Plum Island is the location of a government research facility. Again, this is just northeast of Long Island, which is southeast of New York. Anyway, uh, there are many conspiracy theories associated with this island and the Plum Island Animal Disease Center there. Now, before the island was used to study animal diseases in 1954, the island was used to secretly test Cold War-era biological weapons. When that ended, the purpose of the island switched over to study animal diseases because of the rise of foot and mouth disease at the time. So some believe that the Montauk monster was either created intentionally to be tested on or was some sort of accident because of these biological tests and that that's how it arised or showed up on Plum Island. Now, the theory states, to bring this back around to the devil, that the Jersey Devil was a related creature or some other entity that was either created on purpose or by accident in these experiments. So maybe it is the Montauk Monster. Maybe it's relevant to the Montauk Monster in some way, but it's hard to say. There is a snag, however, Mm -hmm. because this wouldn't explain any of the sightings from before 1954. So again, the whole theory. Oh, yes, yes. But hold on. We we can cover this. We can let's turn this thing around. Grab the wheel because we're making okay. a very All sharp right, turn to try go, to make this I was make sense. Turning away from it. We're making it make sense because the Montauk Project. Again, please listen to that if you hadn't. It's a very fascinating mystery that revolves around a lot of different subject matter, not just the monster, but a lot of different science. But the conspiracy theory here alleges that the U.S. government is testing psychological warfare and time travel. So we mentioned all that in the episode. 
and that's where this comes together. They're saying, okay. oh my goodness, you know what's happening. You're saying yep. they tested the time travel on the Jersey Devil <laughs> and they sent it back in time where or where the people what? of the past could see it and in 1909 that's where it landed and it's flying around batting around the ceilings you're hitting what? it down with your broom saying what is this creature and maybe it went back to that week and maybe people saw it all over the place until it died because it's like what the heck is going on also because everyone else that underwent some sort of Montauk Project experiment died very soon after. So maybe this creature just died because of whatever it underwent to time travel. Right. And then that's why, you know, it did exist for just that week and then never again. Of course, there was some way to loop it all back together. Yeah. So yeah. I forgot there was time travel. On it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. So, you know, as you can imagine, <laughs> this does rely on the entirety of the Montauk Project to be real and those theories to be real. But if they are, ooh. ooh that's a tough sell, but... I truly do believe that there's scientists in a lab somewhere creating matter or biological weapons or animals. Absolutely. Just things that they should not be doing. I 100% believe that. Agreed. They are doing stuff before asking Jeff Goldblum style, should they be doing it? Yep. Not even bothering with that. And just lastly, just one last quick note here on uh, on this particular theory. Some think that the Jersey Devil could be an interdimensional being created in some way or found, discovered in some way from the Montauk Project. It is worth I'm going to I'm going to sell you one more time on the Montauk Project episode, folks. It is basically the inspiration for Stranger Things. So when Fredo's talking about governments creating creatures and portals and things of that nature, that's what inspired the Stranger Things saga. And so if that interests you, I heavily encourage you to check out that episode. Maybe give it a re-listen if you are have but that concludes the jersey devil and everything we have to know about it i i've heard of the jersey devil so many times mm -hmm. and it's i don't know I, that's why i like these little like uh cryptids because just like these are things that i've heard of you know what i mean yeah and so to learn the backstory of it is really interesting this was a lot more creative right the the origin story right of the comic yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep this is a lot more creative than I thought it was. It Truly, it really is. This, I admit, was probably one of the cryptids I knew the least about kind of going into this research. And I was pleasantly surprised with how far back in time it went with the uh, with the stories. The fact that Joseph Bonaparte is part of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know anything about the Phenomenal Week. Uh, the fact that it connects potentially to Montauk. It's deeply fascinating. This this definitely went a little bit further than I would have expected out of a normal, I air quotes, normal cryptid, right? It isn't just yeah. an entity bopping around the woods. It's, you know, there's something here. I heard about it. Like, I've heard of the name. Wasn't, like, super interested in it. And I'll be honest, you, you call it the Jersey Devil. I go, come on. Like, right, yeah, right. Whatever. It evokes a certain image, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, interesting story. Yeah. The, the star for me is that damn like pond thing, river or whatever. <laughs> like, wow, what is So, what there? you're saying is when we do our cryptid hunts and we go camping in these woods. Hold on, it's enough on that. You want to pitch up right next to that, the, the coastline of that 130 foot pond. I wanna, I, I'll look at it. I want to be bathing Sounds in so it. Sounds so interesting. It really does. I. Man, maybe maybe we're going to have to do a whole episode just on like earth mysteries and earth phenomena. We have like a handful already picked out that are really fascinating. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But like stuff like this is just really cool. I know our forte is like internet mysteries, um, but man, I can't help but dabble a little bit in the unknown across the world. Like there's so much cool, mysterious stuff out there. 
I just love diving in. But if you listening at home uh, stumble across a mystery, whether it be on the internet or in the wide universe, and you want us to discuss it here on this podcast, get Fredo's reaction to it, please let us know. You can let us know either at roosterteeth.com. There's a comment section in the uh, the upload for this yep, podcast. Yep. We also have Twitter, as I mentioned. And uh, if you want, you can also leave your suggestions in the reviews section of iTunes. We read through those all the time. Thank you so much for taking your time to leave us a five-star review and share us with your friends really does mean a whole awful lot for an audio podcast. Oh, and I uh, almost forgot, we have an email. That's right, I stopped forwarding it to my trash bin. It's real, it's live, redweb at roosterteeth.com. You can email us there, let us know your thoughts. If you just want to scream into the void, you can do that too. But yeah, that's just another way to uh, connect with us. and helps us, uh, you know, get surfaced in those algorithms. We and, appreciate uh, it. It means yeah, a lot. Yeah. It does a lot for us. 100%. But with that said, this concludes Jersey Devil. Fredo, I'll see you back here next Monday for another mystery. Will do. Bye, everyone. <laughs>